Welcome everyone to the USL show. Phil here and I have a guest, Jeff Reuter from The Athletic. And we uh, were live streaming the other day, or today rather, and uh, didn't go well. I tried switching from YouTube to Twitter and I made a really dumb mistake that I probably should have known about. Uh, so there was a crazy echo during the live stream. It did get figured out at some point. And I want to just kind of rehash what you missed. And then we're going to pick up where the audio gets good. And I think all of our really good conversation happened after it was good anyway. Uh, I'm just really sorry that we lost so many people on the live stream. But, you know, obviously, if you're listening to this, it's on our podcast. And um, hopefully I'm going to put this up as a YouTube uh, video as well. But um, definitely give this a listen. We covered a lot of really good points, obviously. Jeff from the perspective of, of being by and having covered this so much so well and um, talking to all the witnesses and all the people surrounding this obviously he's gonna have the best perspective here and so uh, we just tried to hash it out we took our time we didn't try to make it fast or fun though he does keep it light in a lot of situations um, but we covered it pretty thoroughly I believe um, and I think there's gonna be a little more reporting on this in the coming future in the coming uh week or two and um as well as branching out to other things i think it's a big deal so hope you enjoy this uh best you can at least this conversation about what happened between austin bold and the real monarchs friday night again i'm going to cut in right after we just talk about exactly what happened if you don't know what happened it's uh all laid out in jeff's article so go read the article i think once you get to the fourth or fifth paragraph you will have read basically what happened and um, we're going to kick in here where I kind of talk about the ref and how you know the ref maybe shouldn't be blamed in this situation in that if you didn't see a handball it's just the way it is you missed it you apologize you move on with the game and so he did that I don't know if going after the ref per se is a good idea but Jeff had some thoughts on that and that's where we're going to come right in with it. The hard part is I'm not here to prescribe what should be done here. I know mm. that w what other people have suggested, which is play stops, uh, the field is cleared to dissolve some, diffuse some tension, yeah. teams get together. Unfortunately, yes, this could mean that it gives uh, a team, if they have a player who uses, uh, let's say, uh, a racial slur, to get the team together and say, I think I fucked up, guys. Please mm. just... Be cool. I know. I'm sorry. This is way too early to drop an F bomb. I'm sorry. No, it's um, not. <laughs> disagree. <laughs> it's quarter to 10 here. <laughs> I haven't even had coffee yet. Um, yeah. Like, you know, in, in those instances, yes, the, diffusing it, bringing the teams together can also lead to some other issues that you wouldn't otherwise have. But uh, this is what happens when you're in a league that has three camera angles, that has three microphones, a couple mm -hmm. of sideline options, usually sometimes, sometimes not depends on the stadium. Mm -hmm. And if you are truly going to just treat this as a, he said, you said this, but you say you didn't, it's a wash. Uh, it's not a best guiding practice. Now I, I think what else is unique and should be worth mentioning here is that in Kyle Adams case, he actually reported it immediately. And I think that so often we see, in the past, maybe this is before 2018, 2019. What would generally happen is that player would just play the rest of the game, be told to get on with it. And then after the game, say something. But Adam specifically says, in case the result twisted, I didn't want to wait and make it sound like I was just complaining about a bad result. Mm -hmm. And and now suddenly I'm saying, OK, well, he said this. And then the opposing fans say, OK, well, that's not fair. Um, is What is the best practice? I don't know. 
the USL needs to figure it out because at yeah. this point you are in five documented instances of hate speech between either opponents or fans directed toward individual players in less than three years, two and a half yeah. years. That's exactly. a problem. That's a major problem. I, you, I, me saying it sounds dumb because it's like, of course <laughs> it's a problem, but it keeps on getting treated business as usual. We see these, these glamorous rollouts of, of, really well-intentioned, well-rooted, well-researched initiatives like Forever Proud, uh, like the collaborations that they've done uh, with the Black Players Coalition. These are all rooted in really strong convictions, the right convictions, you would say. Um, mm. But they are made by different people. I don't, You know how small the USL is as a league headquarters. These are different people still who are working on the initiatives and the, the social outreach compared to making the decisions on suspensions, right? I mean, like that's always going to be a different committee, but when these are yeah. in such disarray, when these two sides do not have similar uh, frameworks, I, I guess just the way that they're looking at this, um, you're going to run into issues like this over and over and over and over again. I had someone in the Eastern Conference who would usually be on major league-wide calls, that's all I'll say, okay. who reached out to me yesterday, last night, and said, I hadn't heard about the incident between Real Monarchs and Austin Bolt until you reported it. Oh, this is one of the highest-ranking people. Days, at days independent later. Club. Days later. Hadn't heard about this. Never came up. And what is... Oh, shoot. You probably can't say. But it sounds... <laughs> so there's a disconnect between the people doing the suspensions and the people dealing with any kind of abuse of any kind. Is that kind of what you're saying here? Well, I mean, that's just, yeah, that's going to be natural in any league though. I mean, like, so MLS as the other parallel, there's going to be the, the sort of community <clears throat> outreach, public outreach, marketing, all of that sort of stuff. I guess in college, you'd call that the soft sciences will mm -hmm. always be in a different bucket of employee than the sporting committees. However, yeah, go ahead. No, but it's that's the problem, right? Like, <laughs> right. there are a couple things right. you've said in the last few minutes that that really have grabbed my attention. One being that, you know, maybe suggesting that the referee, no matter who, if this sort of thing is said to have happened, maybe stopping it is a good idea. That's tough in sports. I know it's like the movement right now to like push sports ahead and speed the game up so that it's entertaining. But this is such a serious situation that it really almost calls for it. And maybe that should be something pro and USL and the connection to all the committees that we've, that they've started in the last year need to all talk about and make a plan for in the future. And so that, that kind yeah. of struck me. I think it's, it's something that for whatever reason, governing bodies in soccer are really afraid of because that is one of the hallmarks of a soccer game. It doesn't stop yeah. for the 45 plus minutes, which means that you don't have the, if you had the same event in an NBA game and suddenly the players are getting to the officiating crew, you can go to commercial. Your broadcast can just suddenly say, oh, we're going to take a break here. Uh, you know, we'll be back after a word from our sponsors. You've got two minutes. Hopefully by then they know what's going on. They can inform the crowd and they can do crowd shots so they don't show the confrontation if they're scared. Right. Like they you have these sort of safeguards in place. American football, baseball, hockey, Olympian sports. You can actually do this kind of thing because breaks are such a crucial part about it. With soccer, you don't want to disrupt the flow of the game because then you're suddenly going to get 
the staunch purists on the sidelines saying, hey, this result isn't fair because at the 50th minute we took another break. Mm-hmm. That's okay. It was for the right reason. It wasn't a sporting advantage. It's not like Monarchs who were up one goal to zero at this point were really trying to ice the clock or something, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I, I don't know. I think it's a start. Uh, that's the that's one thing that people have suggested, and I think it's worth exploring, but the execution of it, of course, would other people can figure that out. Sure. And it's not easy either. That's a difficult uh, discussion and decision to make, but something needs to be done in some form or fashion. Um, I I find it interesting too, because um, let's say that there wasn't enough proof as far as the USL investigation goes. Let's just imagine it, right? Um, Well, to to be fair, that's what they say. That's what they say. Their investigation did not have. So take them at their word. They, They didn't have enough proof. Okay. But the alternative to that is either Kyle hearing him wrong or him going for a competitive advantage. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it, it, that's kind of a, a crazy world uh, to enter. Isn't into. it? Uh, Isn't it a crazy world? Yeah. So I guess this is the big question is obviously you're a reporter and uh, you did your own investigation here and you're on the record. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what were your results? Is it, is it in your opinion, something that cannot be denied? that it happened or yeah well i understand can you understand the league saying that they weren't sure about having enough proof i i have no doubt based off of the people i've spoken with based off the Mm -hmm. people who didn't want to speak to me that's also part of this you know but that's that's a soft confirmation you would never report something off of people not wanting to comment on something sure what you would do however is when you have the player giving the beat by beat uh, account of what happened, when you are able to hold their account up to the footage, which I linked to in the story, you can go see my ESPN plus timestamp. So you can click and watch it yourself. This isn't me just saying, take me at my word. No one watched this game. No, you can do it. You can figure this out yourself. Uh, You see the ball go from leg to arm. Mm -hmm. You see the two of them get together uh, Johnson Adams probably about you know pretty pretty close in the moment in the box because attackers and defenders lined up very closely in a box mm-hmm. during a quarter kick uh, tactics hashtag tactics mm-hmm. uh, and then you have the ball recirculate and they're about ten yards away as Adam says you see the conversation continue and you see the second the ball goes out and Zach McMath is going to collect it for a corner kick or for a goal kick for Real Monarchs you see Adams go to the center official you see about a 30 second long discussion between Johnson Adams and the official you see the official say it's my turn to talk and brush them aside mm-hmm. you see the ball go out for a throw in 2 minutes later and after a yellow card for Monarchs that's flipped and then you see Adams go to Hamsun Olave and the rest of the coaching staff say what he heard, go back into position. You hear one of the coaches of Monarchs just in this poor Jordan's ear, this fourth official, yeah. uh, who's just, he's, that's his assignment. And his yeah. assignment is figure it out. We are able to give you full context of what's going on. You have the ability to stop the game with your headset. You choose not to do that. But mm-hmm. that is the role that that official had that day. And you hear it for 10 minutes and you hear things like, you know, like we all have jobs on the line in this league. That's the USL, like do your job. And you hear there was a slur. We Do we need to walk out like last year? You mm-hmm. hear, figure this out, Jordan. You hear over and over and over to a point where reasonably, rationally, when you see a player fake an injury, 
and not enough for the training staff, but enough to kill the game. You don't hear about it from the opposing coaches for 10 minutes. Mm. You never do. If you have a handball call that goes waved off, you don't hear about it for 10 minutes. People move on in these games. They're moving games. People move on. When it's a slur, when it's hate speech, people don't move on. What a crazy idea. (laughs) And it's great to see that people aren't moving on. That wouldn't have been the case five years ago. But at that point, the conviction, the the belief, the the confidence of it makes it so different. Um, Now the USL then will say, we don't have mics in that area of the field. And that's mm-hmm. fair. They don't. Uh, not not at that stadium, not at several of their stadiums. They don't actually have it mic'd up at the corners. Even if you had it at the corners, this is the center of the box. So, okay, you're looking to try to get 18 yards from goal, give or take, and then you're trying to go all the way from both corners. Yeah. Um, I took a basic sound editing class. That sounds like a nightmare. I get it. Mm-hmm. I totally get it in college. But you, I don't know. You're never, you as a league are never going to have microphones on 22 players plus four officials plus five coaches per team plus the entire bench plus every fan there. Mm -hmm. At a certain point, if you think this is continuing too often, which it is, and you think your investigations are unable to adequately and confidently gauge one way or another whether or not these instances actually happened as reported, outside investigators can do that for you. And mm. that's okay. That is completely okay. That's in your right. That makes you a better league. That also means that when people disagree with your findings based off the evidence that they have, yeah. they aren't coming for you. They aren't targeting it at you. They're targeting it at a third party. That's better for you as the league. <laughs> Because you can say, look, they, here's their track record. Here's who else they worked with. And they still said they couldn't find it. So we need to do better with, with platforms within our league, but we can't. And that's, you know, it's another can of worms, but it's a different can of worms that isn't the only one that you made and served and packaged. That is the answer. I can't believe I haven't thought of that. I mean, that's, that has to be the answer. An outside independent investigator has to take care of this in the future. I don't think there's no other possibility or option. You spend the money, you get those people in, it's not in your hands anymore. They're unbiased. Yep. Obviously, and, and, the league is biased. They have a lot of reason to deny this, right? Not saying they did, but they sure. have a lot of motivation and reason to deny this, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I will say, too, if they are using an outside investigator, you should tell us that because we don't oh, know yeah. that. We think that you run your own. And uh, at a certain point, you should say a neutral third party investigation was held and the results were inconclusive. Tell us that. You could even tell us who they are. They are, are legally protected in these instances, outside investigators. That is a crucial part of being an outside investigator is that you are legally protected to do so. Absolutely. You're handling such sensitive information. Uh, you could disclose that party. I think that that would do them a lot of good as well, because I think that right now there's a lot of distrust from a lot of people in and out of the league in terms of their ability to handle cases like this, which is why you are hearing about it, seeing these cases in the USL more than any other major sporting competition in the United Mm. States and Canada. Bar none, nothing comes close. I'm moving from like maybe a little bit of benefit of the doubt to uh, they fucked up here. I don't, I just can't imagine them not having an independent investigator. And I don't usually say things this strongly live about the league, but gosh, that's so plainly the way this should have been handled. And it wasn't. 
Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, at, at this point, they're going to say, and understandably, we can't keep relitigating the past. And I get that. I really do. Um, but I don't know. There are instances where you, someone. No, should. well, it, yeah, there there are instances where you can get away with. Um, we tried. And and there are instances where you are severely putting the safety of your players, your staff, and your fans at risk moving forward yeah. for the foreseeable future. And uh, you're teetering on the ladder right yeah. now. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm going to hammer that one home uh, all week, I think. We'll be playing that clip for a while. Uh, let's talk about one good thing that happened is Kyle Adams did the right thing. Don't you think mm -hmm. he handled it as perfectly as you could? Yeah, yeah, and 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 I think that there's a, a lot to be said about the courage of someone who isn't directly impacted by this, also feeling the conviction to report it. I know that after the San Diego thing, um, people who didn't believe Martin's account pointed to the fact that he's gay. I can also speak from my Twitter experience and my experience on Reddit, and luckily only online. People didn't believe my reporting because I'm bisexual. Certain people still don't believe my reporting because I'm bisexual. That is a part of my job now. I understood this when I came out. But Adams, while he does have, uh, he and his girlfriend do have close friends who are gay, who are queer. Uh, it doesn't change why he did this. For him, it's rooted in an idea that he has been, he says that he comes from a place of privilege, that he was a white man, he grew up, he always got to play soccer or tennis, soccer, tennis probably, uh, and was able to play what he wanted to. And his parents were able to put him into the programs that uh, would be best for him. He was able to go to a college and then he was able to play professional soccer still for now his uh, fourth season. Mm -hmm. um, and for him, and this is in the article as well, uh, he cannot fathom the concept that some child or adult, but really kids, would feel uncomfortable playing a sport because they aren't straight. Yeah. And that this culture of if I go in there, they're going to say this, they're going to make fun of me for this, they're going to judge me for this, they're going to need me to start doing this. <clears throat> and if that's the case, a lot of kids don't play sports, right? I, I think that, I mean, for me, I grew up in central Minnesota, St. Cloud, Minnesota, and it, there was very much the, there's the sports crowd, there's the arts crowd, the arts crowd probably are going to be a little less, I, I guess, 12-year-old I, I, masculine. I don't And again, what are we talking about here? You're 12. Mm. What, what, like, where are we going? But this is the culture, and this is where it starts because you see it in the pros. You see the competitive advantages of, Luis Suarez throwing an arm out in a World Cup, and you say, okay, I guess I'll do that if the game's on the line. You see the competitive advantages of Luis Suarez biting an opponent, and you say, okay, well, yeah, I'll get some suspensions, but if we get a better position in this game, maybe I'll consider it. You hear racial slurs. You hear homophobic slurs from your favorite athletes on their Instagram, uh, Sebastian Legette. You hear about it in a game, you hear these sorts of terms in your household, maybe, and you bring them onto a field. I don't think it all comes from what you're watching, but if you watch that people get away with it, you might not be as scared of using that term when you're 12 years old. You really yeah. won't be. It's learned behavior at that point. You're formative. It's understandable. It's psychology. But that is, <laughs> that is the danger of what's starting to become a prevalent trend 
And that is, I think, more to the point for Adams to your question. That is why this was so important to call out immediately was that this can't be a part of the game. This game needs to be a safe space for all people to play it if they're good enough. Like, I, I won't be a pro soccer right, player right. at this point just because I'm bisexual and want to be. Like, I'm not going to get a contract. But, uh, <laughs> you know, if I was good enough, in theory, I shouldn't feel scared of going into a field uh, without being on the receiving end of all of this nasty business, yeah. um, which is continuing to show up. Yeah, that's all well said. And I think some things that I've gone all the way back to is this interesting thought about, well, how should we be punishing these people that make mistakes? And, you know, I love the story of Fabian Bastidas um, getting another chance with uh, Tulsa. And um, we talked to Mike, Michael Ensign about that and he gave him another chance. The guy hasn't messed up since. So that's encouraging, right? Um, mm-hmm. I hope ideally that's how it works. But then again, we look at Junior Flemings who mm-hmm. I assume would be gone it would either be in another country or something would not be in our league again, but here he is playing with Birmingham, very quietly signed with Birmingham and is playing this year after he served his suspension. And Mm. I'm looking at what just happened and I'm like, should we have been harsher on him so that something else didn't happen again this year? Would that have even entered uh, JJ Johnson's uh, brain when he did sure. what he did. I don't know, but I do think about penalties and and how we should be handling it. Maybe we should have been harsher on on Junior, and I was against that to be honest with you. But now I'm yeah. like second thinking that. I think I'm still against it. I I still don't. Th- I think that if you're trying to get somebody to change their view of the world, you don't throw the book at them. I, I think that there's also just like. Again, this is this is parenting. This is the American prison system. Like, I, I think that if you are focusing on does the punishment fit the crime, does the it, it, but it, like it's a it's a logical sort of like next step is okay. Then then what? Then what else are we yeah. working on? Is it the punishment side of it? But I, I think that what we found is that accountability doesn't come from being punished. Accountability comes from an internal place, a sort of personal conviction, uh, where at that point. If, if you want to do the work, you can. You're in control of it and the work. This, this again, is the entire plot of the movie Inception. If it's your idea, it's going to take root and grow so much more organically and fully and actually truly be part of who you are to a much greater degree than if I tell you because I'm giving you a 20-game suspension for the thing you did, so now mm-hmm. don't do that. You're not going to learn about that nearly as much as if it comes from an intrinsic place. What I know about Birmingham, having read their their press release and having spoken to a couple of people um, within the league who were kind of wondering what would happen with Junior when he hit free agency, uh, global free agency. I, I know that Birmingham has a tremendous network of grassroots organizations, local communities, um, foundations, where they are able to... Uh, educate the team, educate players, conversely get into these communities where you're actually getting a shared human experience, which is always more powerful than reading about something from afar. Um, And they, early days, right? But early signs are that Junior's been like a model teammate as far as I've been able to to tell, which is good. That is good. Um, I I think that accountability is more important. I think that respect, restoration is more important than punishment. Um, I think that if you see leagues crack down with punishments, it's because they don't know what else to do. 
Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's because they they have no idea how else to handle it. So they say, uh, you're banned for life. So I don't have to deal with you again. Yeah. And that, yeah, I love it happens a lot. Totally. Totally. I love that you brought up our prison system and I love that you brought up our kids, you know, raising our kids and parenting our mm-hmm. kids. Um, this is a totally, this is a humanity problem. You know, mm-hmm. we shouldn't be yeah. just canceling everyone or, or throwing the book at them or, mm-hmm. um, punishing them because you don't have a more creative or hardworking, a more difficult situation like education. But yeah, if my kid does this, sure, there's a punishment. Okay. But the most important thing is education. And the same with prisons. We should be rehabbing these people. Same with these players. Um, And and I think that brings us to our next topic is, is when this happened last time, the USL released all these initiatives, these committees and subcommittees, and they brought in all the right people, you know, and they said all the right things. And I think the next step is to ask them what actions were taken, what education was given. Are we focusing on these Jamaican players who it just seems to roll off their tongue automatically? Like, how did they rehab that situation? You know what I mean? And so I think we need to maybe go to the league and and ask them, what have they done since the last incident and what do they plan to do more of? Yeah, and that's just it because I know that they have their sense of Sensitivity trainings that mandated sensitivity training. So headquarters and club staff had two sessions on April 8th and 15th. This is all readily available on the Forever Proud landing page. You can see as rereading this, I was like, okay, what work have you done with the, the month old initiative that you've had? Because it's only been there for a month now. Um, 8th and the 15th for staff at headquarter and club level. Uh, technical staff went on April 13th. Players league-wide went April 14th. Um, Adams was not part of that because he was training with RSL at the time. But presumably, I would love to know how those sessions went. Mm-hmm. I would, because I, I would love to know if there was meaningful information. And this is no judgment one way or the other about the ISSJ, uh, which which moderated, facilitated, and created these courses. Um, it, it's everything to do with the, the people in the room. I could put a PowerPoint on the screen that's going to blow the pants off of anybody. But mm-hmm. if they don't want to listen to it, it doesn't matter. Right. Like I think that there's a certain point where I want to know the buy-in. I want to know how impactful it was for staff members, how impactful it was for club personnel. Right. And that's, what's going to be more important than um, how much you punish this one person. Because then also, if you go into a culture of punishment, it's only the aggressors. It's only the, the people who get mm-hmm. caught that are going to be, Todd. And yes, of course, the, the the smart sporting mind is going to say like, oh, they got a four game suspension for this. I better not do this. That's going to hurt my team too much. That's going to hurt me too much. If, I'm, if I have my personal goals as well, I guess I won't do this. That is one way that could go. Another way is, oh, there are no microphones on this field. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. Right. Like that is that's that's another uh, avenue, truly an open avenue right now. Um, so it, it, it is those initiatives like the education through ISSJ. It is those restorative justice sessions, just justice sessions with Common Goal, which I wrote about a month ago. You can find it at The Athletic as well. Um, those are where you're going to actually have that sort of progress. And like you said, it's harder. It takes more coordination. Yeah. It takes more work, frankly. And, and I know that a lot of people in sports feel overworked 24-7. Trust me, I know. I feel it. But that's part of it because sports is a cultural magnet. People put a lot of their emotions into sports from afar, fans. And if you then are fostering toxic, dangerous, harmful communities, 
that is going to be brought back into the energy that you see. That's what you see. Everyone points to Italy, Bulgaria, and say, oh, you know, like uh, throwing bananas on the, the field, monkey chance. There was a monkey chance like a week ago here in this league, in this league, from fans, two players. It happens here. Yeah. Don't say it doesn't. Stop saying it doesn't happen here. It does a lot. There are a lot of people in the United States. There are a lot of ideologies, backgrounds, uh, beliefs, hatreds, fears in this country. It happens here. Yesterday was the one year anniversary of George Floyd getting murdered. You can't tell me this doesn't happen here. You can't tell me there aren't consequences for this shit either. Uh, queer people who are routinely persecuted with hate speech on average die 10 years sooner than their straight counterparts. Mm -hmm. 10 years. This has repercussions, people. This is a serious thing. This is why we write about it. This is why I write about it. This is more important than who your right winger is. I'm sorry. It is. You'll find a good one. You'll find a good one. There are plenty of good right wingers. Yeah. I want people to have better lives through sports. Mm. That's all you can do. Yeah. It's supremely important, man. That's I'm glad you said that. There was a lot of stuff I didn't know there. Um, and I found it interesting that you said, you know, what is the buy-in from these people? I think as fans, that can be part of our job is to ask our clubs, Hey, you know, I, I know you went to that education, your staff did, What'd you mm -hmm. do when you handed that information down? How did you hand it down to your players and, and to the very bottom, to your academies? You know what I mean? Like, right, how far right. can we take this? And let's let's advertise the hell out of it on social media so that everybody knows what you're doing so that it's mm -hmm. expected to uh, show everyone that, that you're really making an attempt here. And conversely, if you do actually show everyone what you're doing, um, it is insurance. Public accountability yeah. is insurance. It's a forum where people say, oh, you did this. That's good. I know this happened. It's a thing where other leagues in this sport and other sports can say, we have actually seen a downtick in the USL in the future. Here's hoping of hate speech on the field. This is what they've been doing. We should do that too. We don't want to step into that hornet's nest. Like, like these are things that truly do help. Shared knowledge helps an entire industry grow about topics like these. Um, when it comes to DEI, uh, and I hate that this is getting pinned as DEI because this is basically just making sure that people can live without fear of hatred finding them at every nook and cranny of their life. That's, mm -hmm. you know, but but this is how you do it. This is how you show those steps. This is what they, frankly, are, have started to do with Forever Proud. You look, you see all the organizations that they're working with. Um, you see... Uh, the charities that they've chosen, you see the, the the pillars that they've established, you see why they say it's important to them. And and you can believe it or not, right? Like you, everyone makes their own educated decisions based off of what they read, but truly read it. It's a 20 page PDF. It really outlines a lot. They put a ton of thought into this. I believe them. Mm -hmm. I believe that they have these aims, these ambitions. How do you get your whole organization to line up yeah. in these sorts of initiatives? Because if you're just going to say, we will care about the safety of LGBTQ plus people in our, in our league. This isn't, uh, you might say, okay, Colin Martin's the only openly out gay player. One, he's not the only gay player in the USL. I promise like that. Just statistically that doesn't line up Two, right. you're, you're ignoring staff club staff. There's a lot of them. Um, even at smaller staffed clubs, there's still a lot of, a lot more people than, uh, you know, just saying it's a roster of 24 guys or whatever. Um, headquarters staff, fans potential fans you should worry about all of those and fans who have family or friends or whatever um it's 
the the thing is when your league grows you have more people that you have to consider and this is the reality of it is that your considerations can't just be we play 90 minutes of entertainment and then we move on and we back up and we bring our show to another stadium it goes beyond that now it really does yeah every level even doing you know trying to get this story out in me trying to do any the research i was trying to do yeah yeah sorry sorry yeah you you texted me last night that you had also been uh reporting out on this what did you um well see as i go fill my coffee cup but i can hear you so no please (laughs) no i i actually i want to get to that in a minute but i I just want to say that you know it's interesting going through this situation and talking to so many different people and like knowing how many of these people aren't 100% straight, you know, and, and it's every level, just like you just said. And so I found that interesting. Um, And honestly, I think this story may not have had as much legs for someone like me, at least um, getting information if, if those people didn't exist, to be honest, because, you know, they cared more. There was a lot of situations that I was just trying to, I was running into brick wall after brick wall after brick wall. And, um, mm-hmm. eventually I started making progress and it seemed like people had something to say, like, Hey, I'm this, or my friend is this. And we, you know, we got to do something about this or at least try, uh, to right. mold. But I don't know, I guess we should move on to that. And it really, I learned something and I want to apologize to everyone that I do fall into this situation where, you know, if it's something big, I know Jeff Reuter's on the job and he's really good. He's going to do a great job. He's going to do great work. He has the contacts. And so I waited a couple of days to see if proof was going to sur- surface. Nothing happened for so fucking long. And mm. I started being like, God, who's taking care of this? And, and there was the Texas striker or striker Texas did release striker an Texas, article. Yeah. So thank yeah. God there was something out that I was able to read and get, you know, start making contacts and trying even though it was too late, it was like two days later. or So when I started trying, because I was like, who the fuck is going to do something? Mm. I guess it's me. And you were out of town. So you deserve deserve a vacation. And you, you made a great point that you should not be the only outlet responsible for this kind of reporting. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. publicly, I'm, I'm really sorry. I've learned something that I need to just jump on it immediately every time, no matter what, but can you talk about that? Like, if not you, then who did you realize something crazy happened this weekend too? Yeah. 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 I I think that part of it too is it isn't just you. It's, it's the, the tendency of a lot of my colleagues in like established, like uh, people whose job it is to cover American soccer. There's a very natural tendency to focus on the safe topics that are going to resonate the most, which will almost always be MLS, or it will be the men's or women's national teams. It won't be NWSL. It won't be the USL. Um, to focus on on-field topics only, because then the, the shut up and dribble crowd is content. Um, and when you tell a story, make sure it's one that's rooted in happiness, mm-hmm. if you're going to tell the other ones. Conversely, if you're going to tell stories about the NWSL, or in this case, the USL, um, a lot of the focus will be on the X is crumbling. Y is quirky, right? Or like Z is worth watching for the future for when they get to MLS or the national team or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that is the lens. Stories of alleged homophobic slurs that don't involve the only openly gay active player out the window. Racial slurs. Um, I know that Pablo Morer was reporting out 
the day after the morning after the the Loudon game after uh the Red Bulls two players tweet came out he was on it right away and then Loudon put out a statement because I maybe they knew that he was reporting on it maybe not I don't know um and then that investigation started so it it does take accountability that is the role of media when you're sports media you're too often thinking i cover sports no you don't you -hmm. cover topics within sports you really do and i know that that is something that people use as it try to use as an insult against the athletic that we're constantly like making sure that we're not having blind spots within sports of stories that matter more than a score um but I don't see that as a bad thing. I think that's part of our job. I think that's part of why we really put a lot into our work at this publication is because we have that freedom. We are encouraged to like, hey, if if this is going to be uh, more important, frankly, do it. And we're not told you only get to do, you know, one of those every three months or whatever. No, like that's that's not a metric that exists at this metric heavy site. So, um you know, it, it isn't the people who have day jobs, who don't work in the media, who don't have the same sort of connections, whatever. It isn't them who I'm saying, why, where were you? That's not it. It's, it's where was people in, in my role? Why is if I'm gone for a day, it was a weekend. And yes, usually I work on weekends too. So yes, it was three. But if I'm gone during this, other people can do it right like it's it's not like i have this monopoly on like queer stories in the usl i really don't i shouldn't that would be like really sad if i was the only one who was comfortable enough covering this and maybe I, maybe that's the truth i don't know this is therapy now um but, but like i don't I, where, where, where was that why why were there so many people who were texting me that I, they learned about this incident four days later because the athletic covered it why why that's it It hurts me it it truly breaks my brain to think of all of the different steps that would have had to happen it would have had to be frankly too low lower profile within the usl clubs Mm -hmm. okay uh because i don't think there were necessarily as many people casual people who were tuning in because they were curious about monarchs versus bold okay so that's one two um there weren't any known queer people on the field. There were queer staff members. I know that for a fact. There are people mm-hmm. at both clubs who identify as part of the LGBTQ plus community. I know yes. that because I ask. <laughs> it's not hard. It's yeah. not hard. But why does all of this stuff, point being, I could go step after step after step after step. It's going to be gross. It's going to be depressing. But it's the reality of it. And mm-hmm. these are the sorts of things where, you know, why are people afraid of covering these stories? I don't understand it. I really don't. But I do think that there is, this is truly a fear, I think. Um, you know, and it, it, it isn't just these. It is racial slurs. Make no mistake about it. Exact same sort of thing. Um, Loudon, accountability maybe hasn't been there. Maybe it's time for me or others or others to check mm-hmm. in and see what's going on with that investigation. Maybe it is. Maybe it's time to see uh, what Birmingham has done for Junior Flemings what Flemings has done for Birmingham and how that's going. Maybe someone should check in on that, right? Like, I, I think that there's truly a, if, if you have these questions and you have the time, the bandwidth or the interest, 
combination of the three is ideal. Um, <laughs> then, then, then figure it out if you can. You know, like I, I think that that's okay. It doesn't always have to be the the athletic special. Um, I will try my best, but I'm one of me, right? Yeah. And I, I cover other leagues, and I cover cover other parts of soccer as well. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It was it was weird getting back from that trip and having three DMs and five Twitter mentions that were like, "Where are you?" Mm. That, that was weird. I mean, it felt flattering, I guess, a little, but like mostly, it was very strange. Um, especially once it became abundantly clear why that was that people were wondering where I was. Um, and some of them were, were not rooted in the best intentions of where are you? I miss your coverage and I look forward to your article. Some of this was calling me a hypocrite or whatever, but, um, you know, sports. It, yeah, it was an absolutely something that, uh, it was enlightening to see that occur and to, to see it firsthand. Uh, so I don't know, you know, this is not a, a selfish plug for BGN. It's a cry for help for the soccer community that BGN is there. You know, it's a good place to throw your stuff up if you want to write. And if you need help figuring out how to get information, uh, mm -hmm. we're here as a resource. Um, Jeff, you've helped me abundantly in the last several years. I want to thank you for that. But, Perfect. you know, we need more of these people. And it's, it's not hard to start figuring out. And um, no, it's, it's just... It's just a, it, it's awkward, right? It's awkward and you, you know, yeah. you might make enemies and it, you have to push past no sometimes um, and try to interview as many people as you can possibly find. And it's difficult, right? To get it right uh, and to do it right. But um, if you're willing to do it, like you said, I think, you know, reach out to BGN, to me, DMs are open. Um, we can help get you started for sure. And also keep in mind too, like even if it is, you know, the, this, even if these instances that happen infuriate you and you're a straight white male, like that's okay because you have the conviction. I mean, Kyle Adams is a straight white male. Yeah. That's a, and like, and, and here he, you know, like he, he did something that a lot of people wouldn't and uh, it deserves a lot of um, respect for that. I mean, I have a lot of respect for him for, for what he did. And I, I think that it's, it is something that, um, a lot of people admire his strength and, and conviction to do that. I think that there's something incredibly meaningful about an ally pointing it out immediately. And that's exactly what you, what you hear when it's um, someone cat calls one of your, your female coworkers or female friends to, to talk back and say like, you know, fuck off. Right. Mm -hmm. Or something right. Like that same sort of energy, right? Like that, that is how it goes. It can't just be the marginalized communities that are doing their own advocation. It can't be because then no one will listen in theory right or or if it is only those communities in, in talking amongst each other and other people aren't comfortable joining the conversation even if they're just listening um you're not going to see the sort of growth and i'm not saying that you need to have straight white male advocates for every single cause to make it more impactful but i think that a straight white man can amplify the voices of the marginalized to a different audience than they would otherwise be finding. Sometimes that means doing the reporting independently. Sometimes that means hitting retweet instead of adding your own commentary because the other account um, is, is the one who's afflicted. And I, I think that that is especially relevant as we talk about Israel and Palestine. Um, mm. Check who is saying this sort of stuff. Check their research as well. Um, think critically. It's fun. It's actually fun to think critically, to me at least. And so that's why I'm in my job. And I hope that other people enjoy it too. But It feels good to get it right. Uh, so that's, that's an energy mm. people should aim for as well. Mm. Um, I think mm -hmm. we're wrapping it up, Jeff. Any other thoughts before we go, man? 
Um, I hope you had a lovely morning. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, you can find me on Twitter at Jeff Ruder. You can find everything I do at The Athletic. Um, and I, I think just... What, what is... Uh, there's so much. There's so much that's been going on in my mind for the last, like, 36 hours since I got back. Um, and And I think it's just... This isn't this act of holding people, organizations accountable isn't rooted in wanting to watch people suffer or have their lives harmed. I don't think anyone is harmed when they're told you can't use use a racial slur or a homophobic slur anymore. Nobody's life quality goes down in that entire equation. What it is, is how do we create and foster spaces in all of these markets and globally and nationally um, that are inclusive, that are safe, that are welcoming for people who don't look like or act like or have the interests of the people making the decisions? How do you do that? It's difficult. It needs outside voices, but it's important. When being held accountable, when an independent journalist or several are questioning this when when they are writing about this covering you you have accountability that's good that means that you will have it's not like a report card but you will have someone to make sure that you are doing the work and check in on the work mm. in a couple of months i'm sure that there will be a follow-up about what forever proud's been doing outside of the month of june mm. that's good check on that you know and and i think part of this too is the more that you broadcast the good things that you're doing that you feel like you just want to do quietly these processes doing an investigation having these sorts of sensitivity trainings having these sorts of community organization outreaches the more that you are able to amplify those the more that people are able to positively hold you accountable too and say great you've done all this stuff and we can point back to this and say what was missed in that training what what was what lapse in judgment was there in terms of the on-field moment compared to the restorative justice session that went on two months ago with your team? Why isn't that something that's done league-wide right now? Hopefully it will be someday. Um, that's a resource question as well, though. And really, truly, it comes down to wanting as many people as possible to feel as safe as possible in your community, your broader community. I call it the ecosystem. I think that that's a fair way to put it too when you consider league club fan. Um, how, how do you have an ecosystem where fans, players, and staff alike can walk in to do their job that they love, sports, and not wonder what kind of hate speech is gonna be directed their way? You can say it's just words. You can say it's just sticks and stones. I get that. It takes a toll. Yeah. It does take a toll. Trust me. Um, pay attention. Do the work. Punishment isn't going to fix this. The, the, the correct punishment or investigation leading to punishment is not going to do what you want it to. It's going to take more from you, but it's going to be more rewarding as a result. Just do the work. And it's not, the one thing I forgot to mention earlier was, uh, you know, I, I did ask, I like to warn the league when I'm about to tear them a new one, possibly. I wasn't mm. sure how this conversation was going to go. Um, and so I said, is there anything you'd like me to keep in mind as I talk to Jeff? And they said um, everything they should have said. But, you know, what is definitely true is that this is going to take time. And everything you just said isn't like something that's going to happen now 
There's just too many people out there. I know some of you listening might be all on board with this and you even do some of those things, but there are mm-hmm. so many other people that are not even close to knowing about this, much less agreeing with it, much less um, doing something proactively. So um, it is going to take time. The league didn't get it perfect. And hopefully this incident will uh, help them figure out uh, a few more things. And I think they did a lot of things right too. And we kind of said this, but even if they did everything right, you know, there's maybe going to be another incident here, you know, yeah, Yeah, totally. But in theory, if you've done everything right, you will be able to handle it and make sure that it doesn't become an epidemic, which it is right now. Hate speech is an epidemic in the USL. I agree. A lot to do. Mm-hmm. Jeff, thanks so much for talking to me. I can't thank you enough for all you do, especially after this weekend. I realized, you know, how necessary you are. And we're really lucky to have you thank covering you. this, all the stories that you said uh, a lot of other guys aren't willing to cover. We're lucky yeah. to have you, man. So thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. And keep up the good work at BGN too. Genuinely, it's, um, it, it doesn't, these sorts of stories don't start at a national level. It's someone like Mark Bay in Austin for the, the Striker Texas who was there and actually is doing the early reporting. And then it gets retweeted onto my feed when I'm in Chicago. It wasn't a lavish vacation. That's the other thing. I was in Chicago. <laughs> How sad is that? I'm the Minnesotan through and through. Um, it was a great, it was a great trip. I'm glad I went. Good. But, um, but still like that's how it starts. It starts with people at, sites like BGN who are able to cover it locally from a grassroots level, be that well-connected clubs are going to want the coverage. They're going to be excited to have a podcast person that they can throw a player or a coach on for an interview for 10, 15 minutes so that fans know them better. Um, they also don't have a ton of coverage usually. So yeah. access is okay. I know this because that's how I started my career. I oh. started covering a second division and NASL club, Minnesota <laughs> United at the time. And then they just happened to go corporate. And so I followed, but whatever. Um, so, you know, it's, um, it, you know, that is where it's impactful. It, it doesn't just take a national writer dropping in to be able to tell the story. That is something that very easily can be done, frankly, more effectively sometimes and quicker if you're yeah. in the market. So um, don't shy away from that. If, you know, yes, there are questions of make sure that you're watertight, make sure that you're hundred percent accurate, make sure that you have all of your sourcing, right? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, my DMs are open. If you need more of my history, I am always happy to talk to college kids or young writers or old, writers who want to get into it. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you can do it too. Usually you can do it much quicker than I can. Um, if I'm on vacation in luxurious Chicago, Illinois. Um, so don't, don't shy away from it. We need you. Agree. All right. Thanks again, Jeff. Uh, we'll be talking to you again soon. I'm sure. Sounds good.